So you got a whole uh, alpha team now, don't you? But, you? but you have a wealth of knowledge that is beneficial to a lot of people, and it, we can move the needle. How often do you hear a hunting podcast? We talked about this. People relate to this. everybody, Jerry here with Farrowcast, letting you know that time is running out on our exclusive offer with Sheep Feet. Head on over to SheepFeetOutdoors.com, enter in the code KAFARU20 to save yourself 20% off your next order of Sheep Feet. Again, that is KAFARU, the number 2, followed by the number 0, at SheepFeetOutdoors.com and save yourself 20%. Now here is the podcast. Welcome to Kafaru Cast, everyone. It's uh, Wednesday, bright and early in the morning, and uh, I have Chris Ham with HHA Sports uh, on the mic. Uh, this is kind of a weird thing, not weird thing. This is kind of cool for me. I, I shot HHA probably 20 years ago with my buddies in Wisconsin and recently got uh, got the sights. Kind of feel a little guilty. I haven't given them more love. Uh, uh, these things are amazing. So I got a hold of Chris and asked if he'd hop on the podcast. So Chris, welcome. Welcome aboard. Well, welcome. Welcome aboard on your end, Aaron. I appreciate uh, you coming back around, even though it took 20 years. I tell you, uh, Mike Hearn was the one that messaged me, actually. he uh, you, you deal with a lot of... Uh, uh, you know, you're pretty good to veterans and he, you know, Mike being in the military was like, man, you got to check these out. So, uh, you know, got a couple ordered and, uh, immediate guilt fell upon me. Cause I'm like, this is a site I probably should be given a lot more love to. And then, you know, obviously finding out a little bit more, um, you know, about your, your dealings with the, the veterans, what you've started with there. Um, I didn't hurt anything. I was like, man, that's pretty cool. So what, Guess what? You know, before I start talking too much, tell everybody a little bit about the the company, what you're doing for veterans, and uh, you know, kind of go from there. Yeah, I mean, we'll uh, we'll dive into the whole company history and, and where we've been, where we're going here in a little bit. But uh, just a short story: my dad started HHA Sports 1984. I'm 47 years old. It's the only job that I've ever I've ever had. So very very blessed there. Um, and then I'm going to say probably five or six years ago, I, uh, I got turned on to an organization called the Honor Flight Network, and they, they send veterans of World War II, Korea, and Vietnam to D.C. to visit the memorials erected in their honor. And, and starting as a ground volunteer for them, I instantly fell in love with the organization. And after about two or three trips as a, as a ground grunt, um, I was driving home from the airport one night, and I thought, man, I've got a really successful archery business. How can I leverage that to raise money for this organization that I love so much. And so we started putting on archery shoots here in central Wisconsin and, and gosh, three years went by and we had raised almost a hundred grand for this honor flight. And then uh, we just decided to start our own organization so that we could not just work with them, but work with other, uh, you know, other areas of need in the, in the veteran and the first responder community, as far as post-traumatic stress goes and, and getting, getting those folks into, into hunting and fishing scenarios to help combat PTSD. So um, that that's kind of in a nutshell what we do now. Um, I'm just I was out flinging some arrows this morning. I'm getting ready to head off tomorrow for a shoot. We've got we've got vets coming in from all over the country, literally coast to coast, for a shoot this weekend here. So it's our fourth of uh, fourth of six archery shoots, and we're hoping to hoping to maybe hit six figures with money's raised this year just to uh, to help our vets and our first responders through the sport of archery. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I I may have to uh, head uh, head east and uh, attend one of those or uh, northeast. That would be that'd be cool. With uh, 
with with what you're doing, you basically just take proceeds from from that as well as some of the different things that you you know sell through um, HHA uh, that that go into that. Is that correct? How that works? Yeah. So we hold. You know, I mean, we're uh, we're not TAC. We're not R100. I mean, if we get 150 shooters a weekend, it's it's a pretty big deal. I mean, Wisconsin is not known for for large archery shoots by and large, but um, it, it's just a, it's a family setting where we've got. Uh, you know, just a lot of, a lot of like-minded people coming together around our veterans and first responders. And then, you know, I hit up a bunch of our friends in the, in the industry, you guys included and, uh, get items sent in for silent auction. So it's almost like a 3d shoot slash Rocky mountain elk banquet where there might be 40, 50, 60 items up for silent auctions. So we make a bunch of money on that stuff. And then through shoot fees, uh, we do a long shot. Uh, we'll do a novelty scramble usually on Saturday night, a two man scramble. Um, so it's just a, it's a really cool, cool environment. And, uh, you know, we'll raise anywhere from six, eight, you know, maybe 10 grand a weekend, uh, doing one of these shoots. And then those monies just get deployed to different organizations, be it honor flight, or, um, we work with Adam LaRoche and his E3 ranch foundation out in Kansas, a couple other national organizations that get, get veterans and first responders out hunting and fishing. So it's just very, very rewarding work and it doesn't feel like work. Yeah, I, I bet. Um, well, where can people check that out before we start talking about uh, the sites and uh, the company as far as that goes? Where can they go or donate or, or, or anything like that or the silent auctions, whatever? Yeah, so we're on, you know, we're on Instagram and Facebook as far as social networks go. I've also got my own podcast, the HHA USA podcast that I started about a year ago. So that, that drops every Friday. You can hear us talk on there just with different folks that attend these events and and different vets and first responders around the country. And then our website is hhausa.org. So you can go on there for our complete event calendar. Podcasts are on there, and you can also uh, donate for, for folks that can't come in, maybe maybe can't make one of our shoots here in Wisconsin. We're still a still a Wisconsin organization, but hope, hoping to branch out to other states, you know, maybe as early as 2023. So, Cool. Right on. Um, yeah, as far as the, the, the company goes, um, I would – I mean, I think it would have been 2001 or two, maybe, maybe three, somewhere in there was, uh, I, uh, had a couple buddies in, in, uh, like Park Falls, Wisconsin, and, uh, they were obviously huge HHA guys. And, uh, back then, and I was trying to, you know, crank myself in the brain a little bit and jog the memory. It was, there was a big dial on the back end. It was a single pin, but, the that the the dial was your sight tape was i guess backwards um or not backwards but normally it's 20 30 40 as you roll clockwise and if i remember correctly seems like it it rolled the other way am i remembering that right and then my memory is not great it was probably a slider sight it maybe wasn't even a dial because you know the dials yeah they go 20 20 to 100 or whatever top to bottom whereas the the old uh the fan site or the original movable sites, kind of like the site masters way back in the day, they started with the 20 at the bottom and then arced all the way up to the top where your, your highest yardage would be at the top. So I'm, I'm that's betting had, you maybe even shot one of the original slide sites. That's what it was. Yeah. A hundred percent thinking about it. Yeah. Cause it was, uh, it had the, um, like a pin, not a pendulum, but it, it, uh, like, you know, if you can imagine the fulcrum point being in the middle and then uh, pivoted up and down on a rail basically now that you're saying that that makes sense and that the uh that's what i had back then and then obviously um i'd used one of those probably till i don't know maybe like i said maybe 2000 
maybe two or three or said 2001. I can't remember. And then I, I really, you know, not following along with the, you know, the company. I mean, I see, I see, you know, obviously what you guys have offered and everything else, like at a glance, but didn't pay that much of attention. Things have changed dramatically. So I, <laughs> what you have now compared to what, what you had then how, you're, so you, you, the, the company started how long ago? Uh, 1984. So we're, I was just talking to my brother and my sales manager about it a couple of days ago. We're, we're going to be knocking on the door of a 40th anniversary here in a couple of years, which is, uh, is crazy. It, uh, time, time flies. Like I said, I was nine years old when dad started the company and I never, I never had to fill out a job application or do an interview. I've, I've been here from day one. So. That's it. So what are, like, I remember the, the Rio stat thing, uh, you know, that was something that you guys have now and have had quite a while, but as far as the, the, the site in, in general, like with, with what I have a, a, a Tetra tournament four pin, I guess is what it would be called. Um, the way that, the, uh, how would I explain it has everything you need and nothing you don't, I guess, if I was going to throw like a, you know, it, it is very easily adjusted. So, the the way that like the the gang adjustment you could say so like with you have a dial right you, you the dial will adjust each you know your yardage uh you know whatever 20 through 100 but then if you need to move uh you know your your actual housing you've just got two allens and then there's obviously hash marks on there where you can bump that up and down if let's say you're shooting a little low or something you know whatever and you need to move your gang adjustment um but then you also have um uh your 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 third axis adjustment is relatively it seems to me there's one allen and there's like a spring in there that holds a little tension on it but it only took me a minute to level all that out and then obviously you know with the four pins the fiber wise those things are bright um the way that you can expose all the fibers and kind of close them back down but what what are some of the biggest changes you guys have had over the over the years like that were I don't say groundbreaking, but they were like real game changers for you. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the, the, so the original optimizer for that slider that you were shooting, you know, back in the early 2000s, that, that came out in 96, I believe. And I mean, the first one was, was huge. It was almost like the first computer. I mean, I was just looking at the, the prototype that was brought to us back in 94, 95. And I mean, it was like a, it's like a boat anchor. Um, and you look at that versus where you're at now, I mean, everything has, has evolved over the last 25, 30 years. But I think the, the thing that really kind of put us into the forefront was probably 2007. Um, and I can't remember exactly when tight spot came out, but, but as, as archers started to move their quivers closer to the bow, then that, that adjustment knob would start to hit on the arrows. So at some point, we decided to move uh, from, from a slider site, which we still sell a pile of those, but we went to more of a dial system. And then that dial came back towards your eye. So then your arrows would essentially sit between the quiver. I'm sorry, between the, uh, between the wheel and the sight housing. Um, and when we did that, just with the way that the geometry worked out on that thing, now instead of having um, tapes for every, every five yards, we were able to actually basically magnify that, that sight tape to the point where it was now every yard. So we, we came out with two, the, to the yard sight tape technology. I think that was 2007 when our ultra series came out. Um, and that was pretty, pretty revolutionary at the time. I mean, there was archers advantage making their tapes and things like that, but, but I don't know if there was another site company that was, was giving, you know, 48 to 50 pre-printed sight tapes 
in the package in a very simple system that my dad developed. You basically sight in at 20 yards, sight in at 60, and then boom, you're you're dialed in from 20 to 80 yards in one yard increments. It was pretty pretty revolutionary at the time. So, and moving that dial, that was one thing I do remember. You you would have to kind of uh, shim or space your you know quiver away to be able to get to that dial and and or I say dial the adjustment um i think that uh you when 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 people are buying um you know whether you're hunting out west or back east you know white tail or mule deer uh you guys are definitely have a it seems a, a, a larger following for back east or the, the white tail woods but uh you know me being obviously more of a, a western guy i i think that would be one thing to highlight on this is is western hunters should take a a much bigger look um specifically to me that tetra four pin that tetra tournament four pin because it's not uh i mean it's just it's 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 super bulletproof um it's very simple in the sense of um you know i it's something i could explain in a text uh, or or a message oh hey man you need to do this if, the, if that makes sense in comparison to there's other sites uh, nothing against them that you, you might might need a phd to adjust it where Yours is fairly simple. I didn't read the instructions. I just started putting it together and it all made sense. But w- with one of the things you have with your micro, your windage, you kind of have like a, um, a gang adjustment or, or a, a large movement adjustment. And then you have also a micro in that same option. Talk a little bit about how that works. That was a few questions I had guys were asking as far as micro adjustments. And, and I was just like, well, you've got one Allen head you loosen it up and you can, you know, slide it back and forth manually and then you can lock that down or snug it up and then, you know, twist a knob and then that's your micro. Um, you know, guys had asked, you know, was there any, you know, any durability, any issues with that, you know, and I, I've only had the thing a, a week, so I can't speak long term, but it seems relatively bomb proof to where even if you had anything ever go wrong with a micro adjustment, it would not cause like a catastrophic failure. Um, and, and that's one thing I look at sites, um, not bringing up different, I don't want to bring up any names. There's a few sites out there that are well known that do have some catastrophic failures. It looks about impossible for yours to have one of those. Everything looks where it, no matter what you do is going to be fine. Yeah. And I mean, nothing is impossible. I mean, uh, unfortunately we, we do have an occasional, uh, you know, mishap that's going to happen sometime that's caused on the user end. Sometimes it, it happens on our end, but I mean, our, our stuff is, is pretty bomb proof. And, uh, you know, you talk about that, that two stage micro system, we came out with that, I believe that was 2020 when we introduced our Tetra series, um, just to kind of differentiate it from the optimizer, the optimizer has been around for, you know, almost a quarter of a century at that point. And we just, uh, we felt like we, not, not that we had gotten uh, that that had gotten stale by any means, but we kind of wanted to have a premium or an upscale site series, and so that's when we went with that Tetra. Um, and anybody that's had an optimizer over the years knows that if you had to make a windage adjustment, you were you were cranking on that windage knob. If you needed to go an inch, you had to crank and crank and crank until you finally got where you needed to go. And not that uh, not that it was a huge deal, but it, it just made sense to kind of do something to set that Tetra apart. So. So my brother who does all of our design work came up with that two stage system where you can kind of just quickly slide it, you know, eyeball it, get your, get your center shot and then, and then just make those micro adjustments from there. So, um, it's a, it's a pretty, pretty sweet system. We've had nothing but, uh, but rave reviews on it. And, um, yeah, that's, that's just one of the, 
one of the things that kind of sets the Tetra apart from the from the Optimizer series. So what what's your biggest seller out of curiosity? Um, you know, is 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 for it like the line, maybe not the specific actual model of that line, but um, are are you selling more Tetras or more Optimizers? We're still. I mean, the, it, it's getting closer and closer every day. Where that uh, that base Tetra series. Um, you know, not the Tetra Max with the removable wheels, but that that base Tetra line is is closely getting to be our our number one seller. We still sell a pile of optimizers. Just that you know that simple slide site that's going to retail in that one fifty to two hundred range. I think just for just for price point, um, and not everybody wants the wants the dial, but uh, but but we're seeing a I don't want to see a huge drop in the sales of the of the optimizers, but that just that baseline Tetra, you know, that 250 to the 299 retail, that just seems to kind of be the sweet spot for where people want to go. And it's a, it's a heck of a site for the money. So I think within a year or two, we're going to see that Tetra surpass the, surpass the optimizer as our number one, number one skew. Gotcha. So with the, the Tetra, and this was one thing, you know, looking at it, like you have the, the, the Tetra, um, max and then the standard tetra the max just allows you to take uh and swap the dial out is that correct and I, this is just trying to read through the website and um i i have both and i have the ability to sh- I, I i have multiple bows and so with multiple bows i'm probably not as um uh, probably not going to have to swap that dial out or at least i i hope not because i'll have an arrow f- specifically set up for each bow in a sight but with the max, you can swap out the dial, and with the standard Tetra, you cannot. Is that is that right? Correct. Yeah, and I mean that's the big claim to fame on that max, and you know not not everybody's got the luxury to have you know two bows, four bows, six bows for different applications. So if you, if you're shooting indoor, you want to shoot one arrow, you're going to shoot something for whitetails. You're going to go to a heavy arrow for elk. You can buy three or four different yardage wheels for that max series, and basically have a have a arrow specific wheel for for each one and and uh that that was the one thing that you know and it, not necessarily just from indoor to um you know to, to outdoor or 3d to hunting but all of those things so if you're you know shoot a little bit you know 380 grain arrow for 3ds you can put that wheel on that is applicable to that you know that sight tape for that arrow then you can pop that wheel off and then shoot your 480 grain hunting arrow um, you know, relatively easy. I mean, I don't it only took a second when I did it when I was messing with it the other day. Um, that that uh, I'm lucky with the multiple bow, but even there's a lot of guys that'll hunt antelope with a specific arrow, then go hunt elk with a specific arrow, uh, and then maybe whitetail with another arrow, and that allows you to do that with one bow. And and technically, um, I mean, you run the numbers. Um, if you, you know, whether you save money or not, you potentially save money. You also save, um, a potential large pain in the butt of, uh, having to swap out sight tapes and on, on my end with the sight tapes, uh, in, in, in trying to help guys out with that, there are a lot of guys that are really afraid to tell, you know, once they get their bow dialed in, they really don't want to touch anything, including a sight tape where this really allows you, you're not changing technically anything. You're just popping the wheel off. Um, has, was that, did you guys come up with that? Was that something you and your brother did? Cause I have not seen that option on anything else. We did. And there, there's a product that we made, boy, it's gotta be going on 10 years ago. We, I mean, we were very happy with the, with the level of business that we had in the archery space. We thought, man, it'd be really cool to take, 
take a product into the firearms market. And so for anybody that's familiar with our archery stuff, we've got a, an elevation platform that goes on a crossbow that essentially allows you to eliminate the need for a multi-reticle scope. Um, and it's an elevation platform with the yardage tapes, very similar to our, to our bow sites where, where you shoot at 20 and 60, and then you've got a 20 to hundred yard tape by the yard and you can shoot a single reticled crossbow scope. And, and I mean, just drive tax with the thing at a hundred yards. Well, we, we took that to the gun world and the product didn't go anywhere. Um, but one of the features we came up on with that was that removable spool feature for people that were shooting different, you know, shooting different weapons with different grain weights of, uh, of lead. And so, um, again, that product was, it was an utter failure, but that idea then transitioned over, I think 2015's year, we came out with the, uh, the optimizer kingpin. And that was the debut of a bow site with those movable wheels on it. So even though the, even though it failed on the gun side, it's been very successful on the archery side. Gotcha. And so, you know, when I ordered these, I pretty much just listened to Mike and then, uh, you know, I got a hold of you and was like, Hey, here's what I'm, I'm thinking now you, um, you offer a four pin, um, in like the, the, the Tetra that I have. And, but you can order, I guess, you know, questions that I get, um, Hey, you know, I, I, I want more than a four pin. You can just throw another pin on there. Can't you? I, it looks like anyway, can you order pins and then just make it a five if someone wanted to? You can. I mean, it's something that we have to custom build here and the, the, those pins, and this might surprise some people, but that, that set of pins is actually machined out of a solid block. So those things are almost made in pairs like bookends. So, I mean, the, the number, the, the number, your number one and your number four and your number two and your number three pin are kind of machined in tandem so that you can get them as close together as possible. So even though you can add a fifth pin to that, um, it, it may not get as close together as, as some folks would, would like. So, I mean, it's a, it, it's a perfect system for a four pin, anything beyond that, it gets a little sketchy. I mean, it'll, it'll work, but, um, it, it's not, it's not ideal. So, I mean, that's something that, uh, you know, I see us expanding more into that, into that multi-pin market. People have known us for single pins for, for years. And that's our, by far our bread and butter, but I mean, there's definitely an opportunity for us to, to spin off some more designs and get into a, you know, a five pin or more at some point. So, yeah. And on, on my end, kind of how I explain, um, uh, I, I'm a big proponent of a three to five pin mover. Um, I, I, for years shot a seven pin fixed, right. And then the dials came into play and, you know, obviously you're owning HHA, you remember the history, right? I mean, you had all kinds of crazy seven, eight pin sites 20 years ago, dials got more prevalent and then you could do a seven pin dial and, you know, it's clutter. Uh, I got used to it over the years, but like, you know, now I don't, I don't shoot that seven pin dial. The reality for me is like that three to five pin for anyone is, you know, if you've got a four pin, you've got 50 yards at Western hunting generally after that 50 yard uh kind of line in the sand you've got time to dial and and also you know you're probably going to have to range right like not not uh you know closer up you can pre-range a lot of things but when you start pre-ranging longer distances a bit more difficult especially trying to remember everything you pre-ranged and so at that 50 yard kind of benchmark um you know for people listening in give you some context to this you're probably going to have to rearrange and potentially move your your dial. Now, if you had a fixed pin, yep, you could pin gap it. 
But unless you're just shooting a barn burner, your pin gaps get quite a bit bigger as you're going out in distance. And so being able to, in a, in a, in a situation or case with yours, that four pin, my 50 yard pin is now my, my mover or my rover pin. So the way I have mine set up is I can use that 50 on down to 20 in one yard increments, or I can lock my side in at 50 and my pins are 20, 30, 40, 50 for pin gapping, like elk hunting, fast situations, whitetail, whatever. And then when I got to reach out and touch something, my uh, 50 yard pin is my rover from 50 on in one yard increments. So you get more than three to five, you get pretty confused uh, from what I have found. And you can get, you can have some good situations go real bad real quick if you can't count pins. And with stacking pins or pin gapping, um, that's kind of an acquired uh, skill that some people just don't have. It's a little bit weird to, you know, be throwing your, you know, 60-yard pin below the body of the animal or, or you know, your 50-yard your pin up on its back. That 50-yard benchmark is a good benchmark to start using a pin to one-yard increments for accuracy and everything else. Now, that is my spiel before I ever put an HHA on my bow, uh, you know, recently have you found kind of the same thing? And that's why you went with a four pin after me rambling on for five minutes there. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would agree. I mean, we, we've had various configurations of multi-pin sites over the years. And until this one that, that you just got from us last week, I mean, that, that far and away is our best effort in, in my opinion. And I think in the consumer's eyes, uh, our best stab at a, at a multi-pin to date. Um, but, but I mean, we've had threes over the years. We've had fives the threes far outsell the fives and maybe that's just because we are a Midwest company and we don't have maybe as much of the Western market as we would like. But I think as the, as the bows have gotten faster as well, I mean, you've experienced it yourself, you know, seven pins on a semi fast bow. I mean, it looks like a bunch of Skittles out there on the end of your, you know, and unfortunately as we get older, our eyes aren't what they used to be either. So I think you're seeing more and more people kind of trying to simplify things and get that cleaner sight picture like you've got with the four pins and, and I've heard, I've heard your story multiple, multiple times of people that have done just that. And they have that 20 to 50, they don't have to move it. And then that same argument, Hey, I've got an elk out at 65 yards. Well, chances are I'm going to have time to range him and, and dial it. And, and, you know, then, then you've got a much more, uh, much more confident shot going off than, than you would if you're trying to, if you're trying to gap or, or like you said, take that 50 yard pin and, and compensate with it and hold high. So. Yeah, and I, you know, it all kind of boils down to like like your uh, base experiences of the last, you know, you and I are about the same age, whatever, however many years. And, um, you know, sometimes what's perceived that is going, like, you know, I shot a recurve for a while. What I thought would happen when I picked it up, uh, you know, meaning I really was working on that 40-yard mark because of distance coming from a compound. And then as it turns out, most of my shots were like five feet to 18 yards. But I was so worried about that 40 yard shot and as it turns out after tons of animals i maybe took four shots over the course of five years and i don't know how many animals at 40 well i think people get in their mind that all of these you know there's a happy medium with the pins and, and i again i shot seven pins for years the, the reality of of having a a fast 60 yard shot is not great um and when I say a fast 60 yard shot, 60 yards is a poke. Like it may seem close when you're on a 3d course, throw an elk out in timber at 60, it looks like a mile. And so the chances of, 
an elk being at 20 and bouncing out to 60 and you making a quick shot and assessment of distance is not great. Um, and the accuracy is horrible. So, you know what I always, again, you know, you got to rearrange. And when you're rearranging, if you've got a 50 and you're good at pin gapping, um, you might know where to put that 50 if you don't want to mess with the dial. But the reality is, is after that distance, you're probably a single, you know, a one yard increment, you know, dialing that wheel in is a lot higher probability of, of success. And, you know, you think about it like stalking mule deer. Um, and, and this goes for even whitetail too. Like, I've shot a bunch of whitetail where they'll come in and I'm getting ready. Right. And then, you know, a doe will catch me moving at 16 yards and the buck will blow out to 30 or, or 35. Um, and this, you know, with whitetail, they're a little bit more edgy generally than, you know, mule deer and elk. Well, at that time I've already pre-ranged everything from the tree. So I know I can just pin gap. Now I can show, you know, 30 to 40 and I'm good. And you know, when you get, um, the 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 speed portion of it as far as that goes with um most bows now like you look like you're seven foot tall how tall are you i saw a photo of you how what's your draw length are you either Uh, standing by a bunch of midgets or you're real tall (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm uh no i'm six four so I've, i've got a 30 inch draw so so, and, and even down to like, uh, you know, with technology nowadays, like my, my wife, she's got a little bit longer drawing, but you know, draws 42, 43, 44 pounds. Um, so she's, you know, still spitting a, you know, 400 grain, 380 grain arrow out there at a decent speed. You and I, and, and, you know, obviously other, other, you know, back in the day, a barn burning bow, like, I don't know, let's a Hoyt Viper or a PSE Carrera or whatever, like 330 was screaming. That's the average speed nowadays for any bow. Like technology has come a long ways, and I, I don't know with with you with hunting whitetails. What's your arrow setup? Obviously, a thirty you know thirty plus inch draw. What 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 are you usually kind of launching down range? Oh man, uh, I'm going to show my ignorance here because I am for for being the owner of an archery company. I am I am far from a bow technician, so I'm I'm shooting. Uh, what the heck am I shooting? I'm shooting a victory. I'm shooting bats right now. Um, you know, hundred hundred grain expandable head, but I mean, I, I don't even know my. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a dummy to your to your listeners here and not even know my grain weight of my arrow. Well, and I mean, honestly, like, uh, um, when you like, there's there's techie guys, and then there's guys that just put their arrow together, make sure it shoots good, and go kill stuff. I, I mean, I think when you have a thirty inch drive, you I, go ahead. Yeah, I fit into the last category I'm a, I'm a midwest guy i don't do a lot of western hunting i've got a got a 160 acre farm 15 minutes from where we're sitting and that's where i do all my whitetail hunting so i i don't and i shoot some 3d in the summer so i don't i don't get overly uh overly checked out on my on my setup so well and when you when you've got a 30 inch plus draw you you don't have to get as techie probably as a guy with a 27 inch draw meaning you you're launching a heavy arrow no matter what you do because for it to fly it's going to have to be relatively heavy because you got to have a fairly stiff spine and you know with um uh you know a lot of people do get wrapped up in kind of the uh, minutiae of of archery and things that probably don't matter as much as just being accurate and consistent and you know if you're shooting a vap i'd imagine you're probably shooting a 300 spine with um you know if you got 100 grains up front and they're i think they're standard inserts maybe 50 on their aluminum um you know insert you're still launching probably a 
I don't know, with that arrow, maybe a 480, 490 grain arrow and a 30 inch draw, you know, it's cranking right along. So what site do you, do you prefer? Like, what are you using for the whitetail woods? I'm shooting our, so I'm, I'm shooting our Tetra Max. Um, and I'm, I'm a Matthews guy from Matthews country here. So I'm shooting our short bar Tetra Max dovetail right now. So, and then we're actually just getting ready to launch a new site in a couple of weeks that, uh, it's got some new tech on it, so I'm, I'm running that on one of my other bows. It's very similar, similar thing, just with a little bit different sight configuration on the front end of it that the, that the world's going to find out about here soon. So, gotcha. Is there any more info you can give out on that? Or no, I'm just kidding. Um, so with with the like we're you know talking about with the western, the whitetail hunting, the western hunting with the the western. What are some of your more um, I guess is it, do you have very many either on staff or just guys you know of that are that are running an HHA that are out west for for people that maybe want to you know see you know ask them questions or anything like that probably a question I should have told uh, you about ahead of time but <laughs> yeah no it's all good we I mean we don't have a ton of uh uh I'm gonna call you know whether you want, want to call them media personalities influencers what have you I mean we don't have a ton of uh a ton of western guys in our arsenal um and that, that was one of the reasons I was, I was happy when, uh, when you and I connected, cause I know, I know what you do out there and appreciate what you do. But, um, I mean, we've got, uh, uh, even though the, the core of our, our folks are our Midwest folks. I mean, a lot of them head, head out that direction. I mean, it's a, it's a mix. I mean, some people, especially the guys that live out West, live out East, they, they still like that, that single pin configuration. And I mean, they're, they're fine with having to, having to adjust on the fly. Um, where others, uh, you know, like that, like that four pin setup, like, like you've got. Yeah. And I, I think like, I never suggest a single pin for Western hunting. There's guys that do it and are, are successful, but, um, you know, I, I, tons of questions that I answer. I try to like, Hey, two at a minimum, three is going to be best, especially for elk hunting. Four is even better. And, you know, the reason being, you know, basically is, is just that, that chance. A lot of times when elk come in, whether they're, you know, 12, 15, 18 yards, you go to full draw, you know, they're going to see that movement and they're going to bound out to that 30, 35, 40 range, stop, take a look back. And that's a lot of times when you'll kill them that single pin, unless you're really used to where to hold over, uh, above or below can, can, can kind of get you. Now there is guys that are very, very lethal with a single pin. Um, but yeah, on the Western side of things, and I, I would say, you know, and now keep in mind, I've only had this site, uh, you know, a week. So, um, but obviously I've used and tested a, a ton of different sites. The only thing that I would honestly, I, I say change is have a five pin model. Other than that, it's not like there's anything on that, um, uh, you know, whether it be durability or, or, or just adjustments, functionality, whatever you want to call it, um, man, I wouldn't change anything other than just getting, you know, and I obviously going to help that for the Western hunting world, maybe adding a fifth pin. I don't know how much of a pain that would be. And four is fine. Like I don't have any issue like, you know, with the four, I don't, I mean, I have, is there anything else that you guys, some people have brought up about maybe a Western hunting setup? Cause to me, that's the thing's about perfect other than maybe that extra pin. Yeah. I mean, there's not much, I mean, we're, we're not perfect. Nobody's perfect, but I mean, we've been, we've been making single pin or movable bow sites for, you know, going on almost 30 years now. It was 96 when we came out with them. So, I mean, we've, we've tried everything. We've heard almost everything. And, and I would agree if we need to add any, any single thing to that, to that lineup, it would be, a, it would be a fifth pin. And like I say, we can, we can custom build fifth, 
five pins with uh with that site that you've got. Um but yeah, that uh that that, that four pin adjustable that, that you have, I mean that's the that that's the western site in our in our arsenal, whether it be you know, if you're if you're shooting an inline model, or if you want to go with a dovetail or a standard hunting mount, I mean, a, a four pin adjustable is a, is a killer killer setup out in that, out in that that chunk of the country that you're in. Yeah, yeah, and I don't want to make your life a living hell by people hounding you for a fifth pin, but but being realistic, if I was typing up a report to give you feedback, that would be about the only thing. Is hey, uh, you might want to start machining a fifth pin on that bad boy for some people, but the reality of a four to a five pin is kind of pick and fly crap out of chili. Um, it, you know, I, it's not going to make or break much. Like I'm trying to think of scenarios where I can be like, man, I wish I had another pin, but, um, some of that's just perceived, right? You just feel tougher with five pins, I guess. Um, you know, for some people I got to have that fifth pin, but reality is too, is less clutter. And I can get my pins centered in that housing. And a lot of the more pins you have in the housing, the more potentially inaccurate you will be because your 20s jammed up at the top of the housing and your whatever is jammed in the bottom. Where if you've got four, you can keep them fairly centered or the center of your housing. Um, you know, which when you're circling your peep to your housing, obviously, is accuracy is key. You're not creeping not cre- necessarily creeping but you know when that bottom that pin is at the very bottom of your housing that is weird for people and a lot of times they'll fade out the bottom or maybe scrunch or fade out of the top or or or, or come out of the top of the peep so that's something a lot of people don't think about is a little bit less pins a lot of it it's a lot easier to center your housing yeah it does and i mean not to give too much away on this new product that we've got coming but i'll just uh you know we, we have a teaser video out on it i mean it's a uh, it's a platform that's going to have potential to have more than one pin and maybe at some point three, four or five pins. I mean, we're, uh, we're opening up doors for, for this conversation that you and I are having here. We could obviously do it with the current configuration, but with, with this new, uh, this new rise site that we've got coming out, it's going to, it's going to spawn some, some stuff that I'm sure you and I will be having future conversations on both on and off air, hopefully. So. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting. And then I can obviously, um, you can tell me when to post this if you want to wait and I can <laughs> post it after you release that. Um, when you, with, uh, with the, 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 you know, the Western hunting and, and uh, you know, whatever Eastern, you know, Midwest Eastern hunting whitetails, um, it was kind of unique because when I first went back to that park falls area, um, you know, coming from Western hunting, I had a little bit more of a long range setup. Um, just, you know, with Western hunting, you generally are going to potentially take a little bit longer shots. And I had whacked a couple whitetails at distances that I, I don't think that probably, I don't know, I want to say frowned upon, but you know, I mean, I, they were standing out there in a clear cut eating a popple slashing and I dropped a bomb on them at, you know, whatever, 50, 60 yards, which was un that was severely, that was very frowned upon. Um, and for me, I was just like, well, hell, it's, it's out there eating. I mean, I didn't know I was there. So I wasn't worried about it moving. And um, when you're transferring over, the, the chances of taking that a little bit farther shot out west, and when I say far, you know, 60 and in, is greater. But uh, when you start to really reach out and, and touch, some, you know, when you really start, you, you have to be so dialed in with your setup. And I don't just mean tuning, but consistency and your fletching obviously your broadhead spinning your broadheads your peep lining up with your housing things like that that there's a lot to it 
when you start to get into, you know, that distance type shooting and I don't know how much long range stuff do you shoot or, uh, or do you mess with anything past 60? I don't do a lot. I mean, like I, like I said, I grew up here in Wisconsin. I haven't done a ton of Western hunting. So I've been used to hunting, you know, white tails at, at 30 yards and under for the majority of my life. And it wasn't until I started doing all these archery shoots for our, for our nonprofit in the last handful of years that I started getting out and doing more 3d. I mean, we, you know, and even here, I mean, you go to a 3d course in Wisconsin, you might have, if there's 28 targets, you're, you're lucky if you're going to have two or three, that are going to be over 40. Um, and I think with the, with the explosion of tack and, and, you know, these other, uh, you know, mountain archery fest and these other shoots where, where they're pushing the distances a little bit, I'm trying to tell our local archery club, Hey, you guys need to have a few, few longer shots just because there are a lot of guys in the Midwest that go out, you know, they're hunting, they go out, you know, elk hunting and they want it. They want to be able to practice that other than someplace in their backyard. So, um, right before you and I hopped on here this morning, I mean, I, I told you I was going outside to fling a few arrows and I mean, I don't, I don't shoot at 20 much anymore. I'm, I'm shooting 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 yards. Just, you know, there's, there's a very slim chance I'm ever going to take a poke at a, at a whitetail buck over 50 yards on my, on my property. But man, if you, uh, if you can shoot consistently at 80, you get that 20, 30 yard shot. And I mean, it's like reaching out there and, and tickling them on the back. So I, I love shooting long distance. It's not something that I'm very proficient at just because I haven't been doing it very long, but the, the more I do it, the better I get. And I just, I would, I would tell anybody that that's listening, whether, whether you're shooting a single pin or a multi-pin shoot long distance, because it's going to make you a, a heck of a lot better close in. Yeah. And it, it is kind of crazy with the, the difference or, you know, the, like the attack event. Um, I mean, their close course is pretty difficult. Um, you go shoot like the loophole course, it's a max of 60 yards, but it, it's a rough course. Um, now you shoot, I don't know what I shot first, the Sitka course. I mean, you're shooting anywhere between, you know, 44 and 108 yards. I mean, they're, they're stretched out. And then my 3d course at the house, I mean, it's funny, you, you get a target at 38 and it's like a chip shot because all the targets are 48 to 90. Um, you know, the way we have them set up and, and again, it just makes you a better shot. I mean, we have a, a sheep at 111 and, uh, that, which is actually the most I can get out of that, that, that Tetra four pin. Cause, uh, I was trying to figure out what I could get before I blew my housing off. Um, those you get a Western hunter that that um, comes, you know. There, <laughs> how would I put this? Uh, some of the courses that we shoot, it is just kind of ingrained in you that the the targets are going to be far. Um, and then, I, like kind of like the the whitetail thing when I was in Park Falls, they're closer shots. There's not really a reason to you know to really extend yourself because like whitetail hunting especially like when I hunted in Alabama, I took a shot at a deer that was 50 yards and on camera, you can see it was a good shot. And I bet that deer was six feet from my arrow by the time. I mean, it was a wake up call for me. Like I better keep it within 25. Good Lord. These deer are quick. Um, it's just a different world, I guess, altogether. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, white tails are a different, are a different beast. But I mean, just to go back to what you said about the, about the long distance shooting, I mean, it, it, it really does, it, it magnifies your mistakes. I mean, that's one thing. I mean, if you're, if you're torquing your bow whatsoever, I mean, you, you know, you might be off a couple inches at 20 and you're going to be off feet at a hundred. So it definitely helps you with your, at least me personally, it's really helped me with my mechanics over the years and fix any kind of problems I had because it, it's under a magnifying glass when you get out further. Oh, definitely. Well, I, um, man, I don't, I think we've kind of hobnobbed enough about, um, 
long distance and close distance and three, four and five and single pin. Um, is there anything else you want to kind of touch on as far as the company, you know, what you guys offer and everything else? Like I said, on my end, I was a little bit depressed. I hadn't been mentioning your sites as much as I probably should have. Cause they're, they're an unbelievable site. I can't suggest them enough. Um, again, just super bomb proof, especially in the short time I've used them. I just can't see anything that's going to go wrong with it. But is there anything I've missed that you want to touch on? Uh, well, I mean, you know, similar to your company, I mean, we're, we're big on the American made thing. I mean, we, we fly the flag proudly here. I mean, we, we source all of our materials in the Midwest and, uh, even with the whole mess that, uh, that COVID was the last couple of years. I mean, we ran into a handful of supply chain issues, but, but all in all, we've been able to, to buck through that and have, have a couple very successful years to the point where, you know, uh, prior to July one here, we were, we were essentially caught up on on shipping in spite of a very good year, which, uh, is kind of rare in our space these days, just because of, uh, of continued supply chain issues and people outsourcing stuff. So, um, just again, very, very proud to, to put that American flag on our package. And, uh, along with our lifetime warranty, like you said, our stuff is bomb proof. And, and in the unfortunate event that something does happen, man, give us a, give us a call on our 800 number, or send a, send an info to our warranty email and we'll, we'll have you, have you an RA number and have, have your product turned around and, and back in your hands or a replacement out in no time. Cause I mean, that's something that prior to prior to the dot com era and social media, I mean, my dad ingrained that in our head from a, from a young age, you know, we're going to make great products and, and we're going to stand behind them. And we're going to be, we're going to be people and, and men and women of our word and, and take care of folks. And I think that's, that's translated into almost 40 years of success for us. So. Yeah. Well, uh, and I'm 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 happy to have you on here, and uh, slightly apologetic for not uh, giving you guys more love than I, I had uh, in the past, because it's, you know, um, it was a pleasant surprise, and that does not happen uh, for me reviewing gear very often, where I get something and I'm I'm actually excited for what I got and not not let down. So, um, and I, and I, and you got them to me quick because I wanted to get them set up on this new bow. So I appreciate that as as well so thank you for everything obviously you're doing for archery as well as veterans and first responders um very admirable in this day and age for for you know you to, to donate that kind of time money and effort into that so thank you well no it's something that uh you know just as a business owner i feel that you know obviously we gotta we have to do stuff to keep the lights on and keep our employees paid but i think we have a we have a moral obligation to to give back to something greater than ourselves and and you know the, the thing that God put on my heart was our veterans and our first responders. If it wasn't for those folks, you and I wouldn't be on this phone call and wouldn't be living in the country we live in. So, no, hundred percent, man. Well, I appreciate everything. Appreciate you hopping on, and yeah, that's definitely get on the podcast again, maybe after the season and, uh, let you know what, what hit the ground with, with the site and how well it did and all, all that type of stuff. So thanks again. And I look forward to talking to you soon. All right, Aaron. Thank you. Appreciate everything, and uh, good luck out there, buddy. Thank you.